Hey, welcome to PCA. Isn't it awesome to be here tonight? Our God is good. Amen. We love you, Lord. Lord, have
I know that you won't let me down when I'm broken and down to nothing. I know that you are always up to something good. Yes, thank you, Lord. I know that you are always up to something good. You'll make a way, whatever it takes. There's nothing your love won't endure. I know that you are always up to something good. I love it. No matter what's going on, we should have hope in him because he's always doing something good. Amen. Even though the deepest valley you go before me you are here for I know you'll never leave me your love surrounds me I won't fear when I'm broken and down to nothing I know that you
you're so good, God. You are so good, God. The Bible says, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. Have you been set free? Give him a shout. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. John 9 25 it says one thing I know I was blind but now I see aren't you grateful for that that he's opened your eyes you are so good God amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Towards grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears. Chains are gone, have been so 
makes no the sun for down our enemies. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Lord.
today so live today like it was the last live it for God with all your heart mind and soul 
because he can come back any moment. And I'm ready. Aren't you guys? Amen. Man, I remember my mom saying, I am so ready. And I'd say, no, wait, wait, Lord. Wait till I get married. Wait till I have a baby. Wait, wait, wait. Now I know what she was thinking. Now I know. Well, now's the time that we get to do a different kind of worship through our giving. There's lots of ways that you can give. You can give today in the sanctuary. You can give out in the foyer at our kiosk. You can give on the website. You can give on our app. You can even text PCA Church to 1-844-390-2401. So lots of ways to give, lots of ways to worship. And when you give, you make the church able to minister to not only us, but to our community. We can be his hands extended through the power of your giving. So if you want your church to be active and giving and moving in the community, then you have to be generous in giving so we have the power, right? Gentlemen, if you will come. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house on your day. And Lord, we thank that you are always faithful, Father. You've never lost a battle, and you've promised us the war. And Lord, we live in that faithfulness and in that confidence that you are always with us. Lord, bless this offering, bless the givers, press down, shake them together, run it over, as is your promise. And you never, ever, ever not keep your promise. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wonderful when it works. There we are. It's great to see everybody this evening. I hope you're having a great week. Man, wasn't Sunday awesome? I mean, Sunday morning was great. People all over the place praising and shouting. Have you still got your shout? Well, come on, you got to make sure you keep it from Sunday to Wednesday, and then make sure you keep it from Wednesday to Sunday. If you're not careful, the devil will take your shout, and then you'll be all quiet, and then he'll, he'll win. He'll say, I thought it was just a church and not you. So sometimes we got to make sure we shout a little bit every day. Sometimes you have to shout just to get your spouse to hear you. Hey, wait a minute, come on. I had all those jokes last week. Man, my wife, when I got home, she's like, please, please don't ever tell all those kind of jokes again. So I'm not going to tell all of those jokes again. I've got some new ones. No, no, I'm just kidding. Stand with me tonight. Take your Bible and lift it up high. Whether it's an iPad, an iPhone, a real Bible, or whatever it is, rattle it real good. It's your saber. It's your sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. Repeat this after me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. Thy word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, help me every day to read thy word. Lord, help me every day to live thy word. I love thy word. And dear Lord, help the preacher. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Help the preacher. I hope you pray for me. I pray that you'll stop listening at the same time I stop preaching. Sometimes those things don't always work together. Last week I started a teaching on victim or victor. You're one or the other. You're not in between. You're either a victim in life or you're a victor in life. And God wants all of us to be victors in life, to be more than conquerors, to enjoy this life 
that is given to us to the abundant level of living. We're not just to survive, but we're supposed to thrive. We're not just supposed to breathe, but we're supposed to be living apostles, living stones, as one writer said. And so we are either victim or victor. And last week I talked about how that we all have situations in life that are not our fault. We have situations in life that are not our fault. We had nothing to do with some of our situations in life. We had no choice in our birth. We had no choice in our race. We had no choice in our socioeconomic status. We had no choice in our body type. How many of you wish you had a different body type? Yeah. Man, I'm allergic to food. Every time I eat it, it swells me up, I tell you. I'm not talking about those situations in life. I'm talking about situations that are our choice to be in sometimes. We make bad choices. We choose uh, the wrong person sometimes to be in relationship with. We choose the wrong activity sometimes to be in. We choose to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. We make choices in life that sometimes we get into bad situations. And then in those moments we can decide, am I the victim here or am I going to come out of this thing as a victor? How am I going to turn what the enemy meant to destroy me into something that is going to be good in my life and good in other people's lives? Because then I can tell other people what God has done for me and he has no respect of person and what he does for me, he will do for every one of you. I love that about God. He will not have favorites. And so we talked about a little bit how to live and change from, victor to, from victim to victor. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Remember I told you last week, you're going to come in here frowning, you're going to turn it upside down, you're going to leave here smiling. I believe we ought to be happy people, don't you? We don't get happy because of situations. We get happy because we know in whom we have believed. We know who we are in Christ. We know our future. Isn't that wonderful? Man, we've got a great future. Proverbs 15, 13 through 15. A happy heart makes the face cheerful. You ever seen Christians that just don't have a happy face? Well, I'm happy. No, you're not. If you're happy, your face will show it. Your heart will help your face to be cheerful, but a heartache crushes the spirits. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. That means every day that we choose to, we can feast and be happy. Why? Man, God is on our side, and if God be for us, who can be against us? We've got to be able to sometimes, I said last week, David was all by himself. He didn't have a pastor, he didn't have a friend, and the Bible says he encouraged himself. Have you ever encouraged yourself? Walk around reminding yourself of what God has done in your life. We had some testimonies last week after the service. said, Pastor, you would not believe what God has done in our lives in the last year. Financially, health, relationships, all those things. Why? Because they started doing things God's way. It's amazing how God can turn us around so quickly when we do things God's way, but it's also amazing how quickly it can fall apart when we don't do it God's way. 1 Peter 5, 7, read it last week. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So you have to cast, we all have anxieties, right? 
I always tell my wife, I don't, I'm not anxious. I just worry about some things. I'm just concerned about some things. We all have those in life. We all have highs. We all have lows. We all have mountains. We all have valleys. We all have rivers, all those things. But what do you do with those anxieties? You cast them upon the Lord's shoulders. He said, because his burden is light. We sometimes bring it to God, then tear it up and take it back home with us. Why? Because I'm the only one that can fix it. I got to take care of this. God can't do it. I said last week, happy hour needs to be at church. That's the word you need to get happy, man. Man, some people dragging into church. Oh, the devil. I've been beating me up. Well, go ahead and be a testimony for the devil. But the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Why? You made it back to church again. Hallelujah. Get excited. Be happy about something. Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter. How many of you want perfect faith? The perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I talked about how that God's son, Jesus, he knew the cross was before him, before he left heaven, and yet he endured it for the joy that was set before him. We've got to face sometimes the hardest things in life. We can face it with joy, become a victor, because we know how this ends. We're in the pre to be absent in the body, to be present with God. And if God chooses to heal me here, what a testimony. But if he doesn't, I need to be a testimony to somebody else while I'm going through my valleys, while I'm going through my hard times, while I'm trying to cross that river, man. Somebody's watching you and somebody's watching me and we are influencing their faith as we're going through something. Sometimes we look at tomorrow and someday and it'll be better tomorrow. The sun will come up when? Tomorrow and all these things. But the Bible tells us that we are a new creation in Christ. Old things passed away, all things are new. So that's what I covered last week, some of you that may not have been here, because some of you have gone to sleep and forgotten everything I said last week. And that's okay, because if I didn't have it written down, no, I'm here, I'm here. But I found that joy is not automatic. You know what's automatic? Sadness. You know what's automatic? Pessimism. Uh, I told about the Eeyore syndrome last week, right? See some Christians walking around, how you doing, man? Isn't God good? Well, I don't know. I'll wait and see. You know, come on. Don't be an Eeyore. Man, we need to get our hearts, get ready for the presence of God. Joy's not automatic. Happy's not automatic. The Bible says that we have to take medicine for our heart. How many of you take medicine? Raise your hand. Come on. Some of you take it secretly. Come on, come on. Take, raise your hand. I take medicine, yeah. So we need to take spiritual medicine for our heart. You can have a happy heart, a merry heart, and be glad. You can do that, but you got to take some medicine for it. You got to read the Word of God. You got to hide it in your heart. Yes. So I'm going to tell you how to be happy because it's not automatic. Number one, be real with yourself. Be real with yourself. 
Be real with yourself because you know what? Sometimes we get around people and we like to put on, you know, airs. We like to be somebody that we're really not. But be real with yourself. You know what? You got to know who you are. I mean, if your body type is round, I didn't do it. If your body type's a stick, I always hate when somebody goes, I just cannot lose these last four ounces. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm supposed to say, shut up. You know, oh, I'm not supposed to say that in church. Be quiet. Yeah. I just eat and eat and eat, and I can't gain a thing. Well, hang around me. You'll gain something. Yeah. Be yourself in Christ. The Bible tells us that you are unique. Look around. There's no one else like you. You're one in seven plus billion people that God has created in his image so that you are you. In this world, we're trying to be everybody else. Somebody says, if you buy these shoes, you'll be this spectacular athlete. No, you won't. You just chunked out 200 bucks, but you're still you. Well, if you have this haircut and wear this makeup and buy these purses and on and on the list, trying to be somebody else, just be yourself. Yeah, just be okay with yourself. Look in the mirror and go, I'm okay with that. Wish, do I wish it was better? Absolutely. I have a full-length mirror in my house. That's the worst thing that I pass. I don't know why we have that thing in our house. But we have it, and I just turn my face the other way when I walk by it. Do we all want to change something about ourselves? Absolutely. But that's no reason to walk around all depressed. That's no reason to walk. Why? Because you need to look in the mirror and go, God made me the way I am. And God must love me the way I am or he would not have made me like this. So you are unique. And Christ died just for you. You have value that there cannot be a price be put on it. There's no price that you can put on you that is worthy of you. You're priceless. God says you are priceless. It's the only price that could come close was the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Just for you and just for me and just for our sins. So that we can be washed and be brought into a new creature. Have new DNA, new outlook on life. So don't saturate uh, the blood of Christ with all the things that can't. But let the blood of Christ saturate you with all the things God can. We, we need to, you know, be good, be real with yourself. That's number one. Number two, forget yourself. Forget yourself. You're not that special. You ever seen somebody think they were so special? Get all puffed up about who they are? Well, I'm here. <laughs> okay. No, you don't know. I'm here. Okay, I'm glad you're here. People sometimes want you to treat them like they're, woo, way up there. I mean, they put themselves up on a pedestal that no one else can hardly see. So don't do that. Forget yourself. You're, you're not that special. Don't get puffed up about yourself. The Bible has a lot to say about getting all puffed up about yourself. I mean, don't pass by a mirror and go, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Let me just take a while. I got to soak all this in. Yeah. We, we Just forget, a, you're not that. But you are all of that in Christ. And if I had a bag of chips, I'd give it to every one of you. But don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. That's the key. The Bible says in John 3, verse 30, He must become greater, 
I must become less. So the longer I walk with God, the transformation should be less of me and more of Christ. So my attitude should be less of the attitude I want and more of the attitude Christ tells me to have. The, the way I talk, the way I dress, the way I handle myself in relationships and all those things. I'm trying to kill self so that Christ lives in me. Did you know that that's a daily battle you've got going on there? The mind battle that you get up with, the mouth battle, the attitude battle, all the things, choices every day. God wants to direct your footsteps. You're going, I don't really want to go that way. I want to go this way. And we've got to be careful. Christ must become greater every day. And we've got to become less. Why? Because you want to be a victor. I want to win this day. It's not about yesterday. That's gone. Can't do anything about it. Not about tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. But today, I want to win this thing. I want to win this thing called life. I want to encourage somebody when I come across their path. I want to have a great attitude. I want to be able to be encouraging by the way I talk, by the way I look, by the way I sing. Whatever. If you see me at the red light and I'm singing, roll your window down. It's going to be good. Yeah. Come on. Because we are children of the most high God. You are royalty, man. You have on the robe of righteousness when you get up and walk out. So the Bible is filled with all kinds of things that don't make sense in the world that we live in because we must become less, God must become greater. If you're going to be last, then you will be first. Isn't that what the Bible says? And if you want to be first, you've got to be last. And if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be what? Got to be the least. If you want to have a lot, you've got to give it all away. All these things do not make sense in our world. And that's why sometimes we have such a hard time. I found that if we allow God to be victor in our lives, we'll be a lot more generous. Generous with compliments. You know, it's a great thing to give somebody a compliment. Makes them feel good. Hey, you're not as ugly as I thought you were. No, I'm just kidding. I did have one joke last week that I did get into trouble over. I said this. I'm just going to say it. Because right now, I'm becoming greater and Christ is becoming less. I'm just kidding. But I said, if you want your wife to be, act like a thoroughbred, don't treat her like a nag. That was the one joke that got me in trouble last week. So I apologize to Miss Sandy. I apologize to all of the ladies in the church. If I offended you in any way, I did not mean to, but it was just many jokes that I had. I didn't realize everybody was really listening at that point in time in my sermon. <laughs> Sometimes I throw stuff in just to see if people are still with me. Victim or victor, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 says this. But you are a chosen people. Turn to your neighbor and say, God chose you. You ever been on the playground and they're picking teams? Is anybody ever the last one to get picked? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. People are already going, that's me. Yep, I'm, that's me. Don't raise your hand. But you're the last one. You hated that, didn't you? But God looks and says, you're on my team. Come on, first pick you. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's what God looks at you. You are God's special possession. Isn't that amazing? You ever been showing somebody around your house and maybe you've got that one thing in your house, you're like, look at this. 
And they go, oh, okay, what else you got? But no, God says, wow, look at Pastor Bardwell. Man, that's, I like that guy. Ah, he's my special possession over here. Yeah, look over here. There's, there's silver. She's a special possession. There's Tori. On and on the list goes. Every one of us are God's special possession. Why? So that you may declare, raise your voice, shout it out, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Aren't you glad for that? He called you out of darkness into his, say it, wonderful light. Man, how can you be sad in wonderful light? Man, this lighting makes you look good. I've had some bad lighting in some pictures before. It didn't make me look too good. But this lighting is wonderful. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Isn't that great? I love that about God's people. They get together, become the family of God, brothers and sisters, and helping each other out. You are now the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Every morning you get up, God goes, here's a brand new boatload of mercy. Go get it today. Amen. Praise God. How can you not be happy with a gift every morning? Breathing, sunshine, rain, snow, it doesn't matter. I've got brand new mercies from God, and I'm God's special possession. He thinks highly of me. He, he bought me. I'm not my own. We have been called chosen people. And we are called by God to make disciples. Disciples. In other words, we are to reproduce others into leaders, chosen people of God. You are a royal priest. And if you are a royal priest, then you are a leader. Yeah. You're a leader. Some people develop Followers, not leaders. I'll, I'll give you pastoral experiences. Some pastors, they've got a great church. The church is going great. And they decide to leave the church. And the church just falls apart. And the pastor loves it. Yeah. Because I'm not there, it falls apart. You know what that pastor did? He developed followers, not leaders. The way it should be if a pastor develops leaders, when the pastor leaves, the church keeps growing and keeps thriving. Why? Because the people know how to lead. Because the pastor developed leaders, he didn't develop followers. You see, I need to work myself out of a job. Whenever God calls me to leave this church, you guys will be going, we don't really need that guy. What did he do anyway? Yeah, really. What did he really do? Last two churches, go ask the ones I passed. What did pastor do? I don't know. When he left, it wasn't a big deal. We just kept on going, kept on growing. Yeah. Why? Because while I was there, I was developing leaders, people who want to step up and stand out and people who want to go, I can do that. God's gifted me with gifts. I can take my gift and develop that. And I am a leader because I'm a priest in the presence of God. Yeah, we develop leaders. And guess what? Leaders have less options. Yeah, I got you happy. Now I'm going to tell you all about your lifestyle. We have less options. If you have this leadership pyramid at the bottom, 
You know, these are just followers down here. And the higher you go up the leadership pyramid, guess what? The smaller it gets, the less options you have. Let me give you an example. If all you do is attend PCA Church, guess what? You can get up on a Sunday morning and decide whether you're going or not. Eh, I'm going to go. I'm not going to go. If you are not in leadership, you can just, I'll show up. Listen, we have people. We, we start at 1030. We, we quit at 12. We have people coming in the doors at 1145. Yeah. They, they can do that. Why? Because they're, they're, they're followers. They're not their attendees. They are not the leader. They don't want to be a leader. Because if you are a leader, guess what? We have people that get up on Sunday morning and they are at the church two hours before the church is open. They're at the church an hour and a half, an hour before. Why? Because they've got things to do. They are leaders. They're, they're getting the house ready. They're getting the food ready, the coffee pots ready. They're getting the praise and worship ready. They're getting everything ready so that when you walk in, if you're not a leader at 1030 and you get here at 1030, you walk in and go, wow, man, the music's going. The, the screens are going. The projectors are going. Everything's going. There's coffee in the foyer. There's pastries. There's all these things in the cafe. Isn't it just so wonderful? Yes, because somebody's a leader and they set their alarm at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning and those who are followers don't get up until 10. Because when you are a leader, you have less options. You get up on a Sunday morning, Wednesday, you come after work on Wednesday, you don't have time to run home and take a nap. I got to get to the church quick because I got to do this, 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 and this before 6.30 happens. You see, when you walk in, there's a lot of things already happening in the church, man. Uh, Chef Jeff and the, the kitchen team's got dinner prepared. All you do is walk in and sit down and eat. But there was somebody there an hour or two hours ahead of time. We've got the cafes are open. All these things are going. All the teachers and all the classes and all the things going on around the, the campus right now. It's like, wow, how does that happen? Because there's a leadership pyramid, and the higher it goes, the less options you have. Sometimes as a church attendee, you can go, eh, I don't think I'm going to tithe this week. It'll be all right. But as a leader, you go, wait a minute. Leadership has responsibility. I need to tithe. I need to offer my gift to God because he's blessed me. Uh, a leader goes to church every time it's possible. A leader does not gossip. A leader does it back by have envy, strife, and cause division. That's not leadership. That those are people that are just kind of out on the fringe and they just think I can all do it better than everybody else. I'm just going to talk about everybody, yeah. But leaders have responsibilities and they have a role as a priest. And God has called every one of us who belong to God to be priest. In the Old Testament, there was just the Levites and everybody else depended upon them. But God says in the New Testament, you are the temple of God. And you are a part of the royal priesthood. You have been chosen by God and you have the responsibilities to declare this glorious, glorious light you've been brought into. Why? Because there's a lot of people that are watching and influenced by you. So what you do affects other people. Do you know there are people watching you worship? Yeah. They're watching you worship. Sometimes the ones on the platform are, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. They're waiting on you. And sometimes you may be waiting on them. They're watching the way you worship. If you lift your hands, if you clap, if you're smiling. You can influence other people to worship by the way you worship. 
You can influence other people by the way you talk. You're always in a good mood, building people up, not tearing people down. Just, just commit yourself. I'm not going to say anything negative about anybody ever again in my life. Yeah, it affects the way you walk. How you hold yourself, how you present yourself to other people. Confidence is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Confidence is attractive. And why? We put no confidence in the flesh, but we put all our confidence in God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your attitude. You ever seen Christians with sad attitudes? I mean, just stinky, stanky, wanky attitudes. I have. They'll be in here praying, well, hallelujah. Well, no, just kidding. I'm not going to go there. I could keep you here for a while. How you handle relationships will influence other people. How you handle other people in the church, people at the workplace. You can't just be a Christian at church. You're also a Christian at work. How you handle that. If you show up early to work, stay late. You don't complain about it. Man, that, that's a beautiful gift to an employer. But if you show up late, always complaining, that's not a gift. You have influence. You've got to ask yourself this question. This is such an important question. I'll put it up here. Here we go. If everyone in our church was like me, what kind of church would it be? Isn't that a good question? I was really proud when I wrote that down. If everyone in the church was like me, what kind of church would it be? I think every one of us have to ask ourselves, I ask that question myself all the time. All the time. Because there's times when I'm going through valleys, there's times when I'm going through hard times that I've got to understand I am still influencing people. You are too. And people are watching. And, and if, you, if everybody else in the church was like you, would we have everybody here at 1030 ready to go? If everybody in the church was just like you, would everybody be standing on their feet clapping and praising God? If everybody was just like you and the offering plate went around, are you giving your 10% and giving an offering on top of that? Or is the church going to be broke? I don't know. If everyone's like you, what kind of church would it be? That's a good question. Because you and I are the church. So the way you are is the way the church is. Man, I want a vibrant church. I want an exciting church. I want people to walk in here and go, I want what they have. I don't want people to walk in here and go, man, that left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to go back and eat there. I want people to come in and go, man, wasn't that a great meal? I love the way the presentation was. Have you ever been to really, 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 really fancy restaurants? They take care of every detail from the time you park to the time you leave, man. And that's what we want to do at the church. We've got golf carts in the parking lots trying to pick people up. It's going to be a great day. Great greeters and hospitality people in the foyer. When you come in, the ushers are greeting you. And, and then, man, the praise and worship. And, and that preacher, he's not bad at all. So let's listen because he's going to bring something good to eat. Yeah. I, if I don't want to eat it on here, I don't know that you want to eat it out there. And so we've got to ask ourselves, why? Because leaders are faithful. Leaders are faithful in everything, attendance, serving, giving, all those things. But there are faulty models. Every area has a faulty model in it. We are the priest. You are the priest. Just say it to yourself right now. I am a priest of God. 
Yes, you are. A chosen special possession of God. Wow. And so we've got to figure out. We're going to be happy hearts, happy faces, sad Eeyores. Sometimes when someone does us wrong, we are tempted to get back at them, aren't we? That's the flesh, man. Everybody's natural reaction is, what? <laughs> you draw back, then you got to stop and think about, wait a minute. Now, wouldn't it be good for the pastor to hit somebody right now? Yeah. Sometimes we're tempted to use the biblical expression, an eye for an eye. That's what the Bible says. Sometimes we're tempted to say things like this. Well, I have my rights. And you know what? I need to be heard. Uh, leaders and priests uh, don't have rights. We're servants. We serve God. God is the one who we have surrendered all of our rights to. So we don't have rights. I don't have any rights when it comes to the church. I follow the leading of God. That's my role. As a priest, God has told me, here's what your role is in the temple. And here's what you're to do. And it was very specific, everything they did every day. And so we are to do what? Minister to God. When you walk in here, when you leave here, when you wake up in the morning, all throughout your day, you're ministering to God, and God is ministering through you. You minister to God. When I ask this question, how many of you want to be blessed? If you want to be blessed, raise your hand. Yeah, 100%. Who would not raise their hand to that, right? I want to be blessed. That word blessed in the Greek means happy. So when Jesus does those beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, he's saying this, happy are these people. Happy are these, nine times, happy are, happy are, happy are these people. Yeah. I want, I want you to be happy in your finances, don't you? God says he'll bless your finances if you make sure to honor him with your finances. I want to be happy in my health. I mean, I want to be happy in that. When I go to get my, my doctor's checkup, I want everything to be good. How's my blood pressure? Good, Pastor. How's my uh, A1Cs? They're all good. How's your heart? Man, my heart's good. All right. See you next year. Don't you like those kind of checkups? God gives us checkups. How, how are you doing in your spiritual health? Are you strong? Are you vibrant? How are you doing in all your relationships? God wants us blessed in every relationship that we have. Relationships with our parents, relationships with our kids, grandkids, relationships with our spouses. He wants us to be happily married. I thought I'd get more amens on that from all the married people. He wants us to be happily married. He wants us to enjoy this thing he may call marriage. If you're single, he wants you to be happy in your singleness. I've seen singles go, well, if I could just get married. I've seen married people go, well, if I could just be single. Not happy nowhere. God wants us happy in our emotions, in your job. He wants you to be a victor instead of a victim. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, they're going to put it back up. We have lost the mystery of these verses. We've forgotten all about who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. When someone sneezes, what is the most common response? Say it out loud. God bless you. Do you know that's something powerful? We just have it as a saying now, 
But there's something really spiritual about blessing. An Irish blessing says this. This is just for my baby. The Irish blessing says, May you be in heaven 30 minutes before the devil knows you're dead. Isn't that great? Isn't that a good blessing? I'd love for somebody to bless me with that. Numbers chapter 6, 22 through 27 says this. The Lord says to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. This was how Moses blessed God's people. Wow. I believe there's power in blessing. I believe there's power whenever God's priests speak blessings over people. I believe this. Now, we've taken this whole word thing to an extreme. You know, people say, well, you speak in this and you speak in that. I believe we've taken that to the extreme. That was not what God intended. What God intended was for his people to bless other people with the blessings of God. It's not our blessings, it's God's blessing. It said this is how Moses blessed God's people, but God told him what to say and how to say it. So would you stand with me tonight? I'm going to stop here. I've got years of this stuff i got to teach you. But I want you to read this with me. Can we put it back up at verse 22? Number 6, verse 22. Let's read it together. It says this. Read it out loud with me. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them. Okay? Now, can you read this and kind of turn a little bit towards somebody else and say it to them? You ready? Here's what it says. Say this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. How many of you know that God wants to bless you? The enemy wants to curse you. The Bible says we live either blessed or cursed. There's no options. And so when we speak as priests, it carries the authority of God upon it. So we can have a choice. You can be a victim and curse at someone, or you can be a victor and bless someone. As a pastor, I want to bless you. I want you to have abundant life. I want you to, to grow in Christ and decrease so that may, Christ will increase in you. I want you to be happy when you wake up and your face knows it's happy. Yeah. I want you to, to have this joy that's unspeakable and full of glory that is not dependent upon your body type. It's not dependent upon how your hair's doing today. It's not dependent upon what the scales screamed at you this morning. It's not dependent upon whether you got a zit or not. I'm, not, I'm talking about a joy that comes from God, a peace that surpasseth understanding in your heart. Isn't that what we want to live by? And you are the priest of God.
And so if you're having a bad moment tonight or tomorrow, just stop and go, hey, I'm a special possession. God has chosen me. I am one in seven plus billion people. I'm the only one that looks like this. I know the rest of you would like to look like this, but you don't get to look like this. Just me. Just me. I'm not going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and tell them that. You might, you, I know you want to look like me, but you can't. But we ought to feel like that. Amen? Amen. Father, tonight, may you turn your face toward these people. May you shine upon these people. God, may you give your peace unto these people. And I pray today, God, that you are gracious to them. And I pray that we realize who we are in Christ. And I pray that we can understand that we are either a victim or a victor. Lord, you have given us the ability to be conquerors. That if God is for us, who can be against us? And I pray tonight, God, that we carry this in our hearts. We let our faces know it. And we become blessing and we bless others with our lives. Amen. And amen. We sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.